have you heard of the Torah coming out of Berlin? I've spent the last six years of my life studying in Batemi Drash, houses of study in New York and Jerusalem. But the Torah that's coming out of Berlin has its own unique power. Volunteers and activists, rabbis and students, the Jews of Berlin have a thirst that cannot be quenched, a curiosity that cannot be satiated. They want to learn and they want to create. The Torah of Berlin is different and strange and the whole idea can be a little uncomfortable, but it's a Torah that draws you in and makes you see your own life and your own Judaism in a whole new way. So come and learn. Welcome to Torah Curious. Welcome to Torah Curious. I'm your host, Jeremy Borovitz, and I am here with uh, the Berlin famous David Shapiro. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, David, I wonder if we could start off with having you tell us about your earliest Jewish memory. We can. Well, I had, a ta- I had some time to think about it. <laughs> Who <And> told you? <laughs> I don't know. I think I was listening to too much Torah Curious. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. <laughs> and um, I remembered how in uh, day camp, in the Chabad day camp, um, they were naming the groups in a very funny manner. And I was in a group called Torah Tornschuhe. <laughs> just like Torah sneakers. Okay. <laughs> How old were you at this point? I don't know. I was probably seven, eight. Cool. Did yeah. you grow up affiliated with Chabad in some way? Yeah. Yeah. My 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 parents they sent us to the Chabad kindergarten, Chabad school. Uh huh. It's also where I finished my uh, like my abitur. Uh huh. Cool. And yeah. Uh, where are your parents from? My parents. Um, my mother is from Moscow. Wow. And my father was born in uh, West Germany next to Stuttgart. Uh-huh. Yeah. How did they meet? My grandfather made a shidduch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my father was like, Dad, you got one last thing that you owe me, which is the wife. <laughs> <laughs> so... My grandfather organized, uh, like, he, he he knew exactly whom he would marry already. But, like, you know, t- to make it not look like he knew exactly, he made, like, a big conference. So your grandfather concocted <laughs> a, con- a seminar or a conference yeah, in order to but, bring... But only in order for my mother uh-huh. to come to Germany what? to meet my dad. How did your grandfather know your mother? Because uh, my other grandfather and my grandfather... They were buddies since school. So I, w- where did they grow up in, in Moscow? Yeah. Ah, cool. So your father's father was from Moscow. Yes. Um, he's from Moscow. And he when he met my grandmother, like he met my grandmother there when she wasn't on, a, on like a research trip to Moscow. Um, yeah. And they married and they went together back to Germany. So. Wow. In what year is that? That was 75. Oh, think? wow. 74. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's so, like in the middle of the Soviet reign. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that they let people out. <laughs> they did not. How did they get out? You, is there a story there? Uh, there is. There is. Um, it was very dangerous. And uh, like they had like my the my grandfather was uh, not allowed to go out 
of wow. the Soviet yeah. uh, Union. But uh, somehow he managed. I still don't understand how. And uh, yeah. And here you are. <laughs> here I am. Here we are. Well, so your grandfathers knew each other from Moscow. And then your grandfather concocted a... What was the conference about that he created in order to bring... I don't really know. It's, it's kind of... He had to make up this conference in order to get the visa for my mother. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. So your, what year did your mother come to Germany? She... No, my 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 ma- like my parents met here in Germany yeah. because my grandparents were living here. Right. But my father after school made Aliyah to Israel. So wow. when they married, my mom moved with him back like to Israel. She also wow. made Aliyah. And only then they moved to Germany. So from Israel. Yeah, so I was born in Israel. You were born in Israel. Yeah. What's in Jerusalem. Your, what in Jerusalem? Yeah. Wow. What does it say on your uh, passport? It says Jerusalem. Wow. Okay. No one knows it's in Israel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your native language, David? Um, that's a tough question because um, I consider myself quadrilingual. Okay. I hope that's a real word. Yeah. Well, um, we're, we use it on Torah Curious. So if it wasn't a real word before. No, it it's a real yeah, word. Yeah, now it's a real word. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up with English. Uh, my parents were speaking English t- to each other. So it like kind of became the family language until today wow um which is the reason i speak uh, english so well uh, and everyone asks me if my parents or my father is from england or america i'm like no no and they're like so why do you speak english so well like, well we speak <laughs> english at home and is and they think that's really weird i'm like no that's just the language <laughs> um yeah but kindergarten and so on was all in german so yeah and with, the, with my grandparents uh, especially my grandmother also German, and my mother wanted us to know Russian, so she sent us to Russian school, and in kindergarten and school was also Hebrew, so it was like everything at once, kind of. Wow, you went to also special Russian school to work on your Yeah, Russian. like in the afternoons, like once a week in the afternoon, there was a Russian school. Wow. Which uh. was hell, but <laughs> yeah. it's fine. Now I know Russian. Yeah, maladiet. <laughs> um, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of school. It's a lot of languages. There's a lot of... Yeah. Like, what are you thinking? Depends. Mostly English. Some, sometimes German. Yeah. It really depends of whom I'm talking or like what's the topic. Uh, like if it's if it's like something emotional or uh, something like that. It's mostly English. And also, I uh, can express myself better in English. Huh. But if it's like technical stuff, uh, it's m- better in German, probably because I learn in uni in, yeah. in German and school in German. So. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, so tell us a little bit about your family. Like, what is it? Like, what? what's your... Fi- what is, like, okay, you grew up going to Chabad schools. Is your family Chabad, would you say? No, no. Like, we are affiliated with Chabad because we like it there. They're, they accept us as we are, but um, we're not Chabad in uh, the sense how you imagine a typical Chabad. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so we're, no fedora. No, 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 no. We like we consider ourselves modern orthodox, like kind of being lost here because there's not a real modern orthodox community here. Yeah, but, uh, we're yeah. Okay, cool. How do like how did that happen? How did your parents become like the modern orthodox family of Berlin? <laughs> like, well, I wouldn't say the, but uh, a definitely. A, so yeah, um, yeah, like both my my uh, parents were not religious. 
when they were uh, small as like children in, in their youth they started like discovering this aspect of their lives and uh, their identity in this and when they met when they married they decided to like start a jewish family together hmm. and they wanted it to be uh, based upon those orthodox but still open wow. values towards the world and so on so it was important that i go to university that you know we all get uh, good education in the worldly matters and but still sending us to jewish school and having this value of uh, jewish education very important did they did they learn along with you well my mo- my mother really loves learning so she mm. had like when when she was in israel she had a fair amount of learning there um and yeah when it was interesting things they did but they're still they're working parents so what do they do my father is a chief cloud architect wow and my mother is uh, an anesthesiologist wow and in addition to that there are how many siblings in your family now we are six all together you are six all together and you are the oldest correct yes and the youngest is how old he is three and a half. Wow. So you have six kids ranging almost a 20-year age span in a modern Orthodox home in Berlin where you speak four languages. Yes. Did you feel normal growing up? Never. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I never saw it as a bad thing. Um, it also never really was that like I was... Uh, like disadvantaged because of being not normal in that kind of sense it was like i was different i was interesting like people were always like oh okay they didn't expect to hear that well because there are like certain typical people you tend to find here like you'll find like the old school germans here and there and you'll find israelis and you'll find russians and you'll find expats and you have like a little bit of all of that in you kind of yeah like, you know, we a couple like a month and a half ago, we had a ceremony. Or, I'm sorry. Three months ago. I've <laughs> lost track of time. There's a global pandemic. I'm sorry. Um, uh, three months ago, we had uh, my smicha ceremony and we had speakers speak in four languages, um, Russian, German, Hebrew and English. I'm now realizing you might have been the only person who could have understood all four as they were being read. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So you went to Chabad school. Did you feel... Like, how did you feel placed in the Chabad school? Were most of the other kids also Chabad? Were they also coming from varied backgrounds? What were the other, your fellow students like? It was all kind of students. I mean, like, the Chabad community here is a very um, colorful community. Um, So were kids who also weren't coming from religious families at all, but also kids from religious families. Hmm. And uh, so it was a... It was a very interesting mix, I'd say. Um, so kind of my not not normalness, as you as you said, didn't really matter there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I was always the kid who was like asking the provoking questions and so on. Well, the <laughs> others were like, I'd better not. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know. I was I always had this chutzpah. And what was it like when you went to university? It was a really really big change for me i mean like in the first year of my university i was still living at my parents Mm. so like kind of kind of from one day to the other like the steady 
like flow of like Torah input stopped and I suddenly was responsible myself for uh, going to evening callers, listening to Shireem online or yeah. stuff like that. It, it was hard. I, I was kind of like feeling a little like Torah lonely, you could say. Hmm. Um, and and uh, yeah, luckily I heard about Byte where I'm living now. Yeah, tell me, tell us about Byte. So Byte is uh, is a program by uh, Morasha, Germany, where uh, students and young professionals get the opportunity to uh, live in Berlin and uh, parallel to their whatever they're doing, university work, they, they get to which program of Shabbatonim, Shirim, and like Torah lessons and coaching and stuff like that for a very, very reasonable part price. <laughs> so um, that was very attractive to me because I also wanted to like move out. Yeah. And of course, I was very excited about like getting this like steady Torah input again and like moving actually into a community which was very active and alive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was again, a very drastic change. Do you, when you're at university, do people know that you're Jewish? Yes, yes. I walk in university with Kippah and I go early on Shabbos and I tell people, guys, I have to leave early. Could you please send me the notes? Or like I go to the professor like, hey, it's Shabbos. It's early. It's Friday. It's, it's winter. Um, the sun sets. I have to go. I have to, <laughs> I have to be home. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm stuck here. Um, are so they generally receptive? They they are. They are uh, like on, on a personal level. They are. Um, I had like one nasty episode where I had to change courses because there was a whole module just in Shabbos. And in the beginning, they were like, why, why should we let you change? We're like, whatever, it's your fault. But then, (laughs) but, but then I was, I, I like brought a letter from the rabbi saying I have, I I can't possibly work, go to university on Shabbos. And they were like, fine. But yeah. Wow. When you moved into the Bayit, um, I, like, I guess w- what I'm trying to ask is where do you, is your social circle mostly focused around the bite or do you also have friends at university? Um, it's mostly focused around bite. I didn't really find this like social connection at university yeah. at, at university. I, I was the weird one. I was the not normal one, you know, that yeah. dude that no one talks to. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it wasn't easy, but I, I kind of accepted that as it is. I, there's something really, really special about you, and I'm just wanna I'm gonna name it here as I see it, okay. which is most of Jewish life in Germany is about blending into German life. It's about like how can we become as German as possible, not draw too much attention to ourselves, just be seen as a part of normal life. And you're the exact opposite of that. Yes, you're, and proudly. Yeah, yeah, and proudly, and that's amazing. But like, isn't it like you mentioned this chutzpah you have in class? Is it hard to have chutzpah? Like. Your life almost feels like it's imbued with chutzpah. Like, is that hard for you? No, it's, it's me. I don't know. I can't, I can't <laughs> switch that off. <laughs> I, I don't generally care much about what other people think about mm. me. Um, so it's in that sense, it's not really hard for me to like be different. Yeah. I know this sounds weird, but no, no, it, um, sound, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds weird only in the context of being a Jew in Germany. Yeah, maybe. In, but, in uh, like the normal world, this sounds inspiring. I mean, it's inspiring here too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't mind. It's not hard. I mean, like, 
Wow. It's just me. It's just you. And people, like, those people who accept me as dad, I, te- I, I, I let them into my life. And who does not, I'm like, I don't need you. Wow. Whatever. Wow. Sorry, for, sorry about. No, no, no! Don't say, don't apologize for everything. This is gold. <laughs> gold. Um, uh, Come back. Sorry for those who don't ah, get to be part of my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they're not listening to the podcast either. So. Right, right. Um, okay, wow, David, this is amazing. So you've li- you've lived it by now for two years, almost two years. Yeah. yeah. What's next? What's on the future for David Shapiro? Well, David Shapiro, to the sadness of many people here, wants to leave. Wow. I want to go to Israel and uh, yeah, I want to study a year in Shiva um, because I'm I, I'm really passionate about learning, about studying texts and discovering like what's in them, like taking them apart, you know, like stitching them up, you know. And uh, yeah. Well, speaking of texts, I think you've brought a couple of texts to share with us. I think so too. <laughs> I will say full disclosure, David wrote me yesterday and said... <laughs> Is there such a thing as too much Torah? <laughs> well, how much do you want? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bring it on. What do you got? So the first thing um, is something of my own. I don't know. Maybe other commentaries say that also. But when I was uh, looking through the passage in the Torah about the Tower of Babel wow. and the generation of dispersal, um, I found it hard to accept that all the people like it says call 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 it's like um that all the people were involved in it like without any exception so um i think it's a prime example for what we also see today that like it it seems like it looks like from outside and like definitely from our perspective on history it looks like all the people were involved because because of this impact because of this like power of the masses but actually, it weren't all the people. And I think we can learn a powerful lesson from that. That's that's first. And uh, Okay, what's the lesson? Bring it home, though. Don't, bring it home. Bring no, it home. Don't no. leave it hanging. What's the lesson? The, the, the lesson from the Tower of Bavel is that um, we shouldn't let ourselves be, uh, like, tugged into this voice of the masses. Like, hmm. really be critical about what happens wow. around you. Like, when... when big things and when a lot of people start saying the same thing yeah think about it again like is it really this way is it really true um is it really what you believe or is it Mm. do you believe this because it's like cool to believe it wow um so yeah it's so you're you're like you're like the minority like (laughs) voice in the talmud like that forces its way in it's like, yeah, I know you're all agreeing on this, but what about the other side? Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's also really interesting that you brought up the Tower of Babel because, of course, what comes out of the Tower of Babel? Yeah, all the languages. All the languages. Yeah. And you're like, you're saying you don't need to follow the masses to learn all the languages. Be contrarian, um, and you'll get the languages as well. That's a beautiful Torah. Yeah. Thank you, David. Yeah. Cool. All right, what else you got? Keep throwing them at me. You want more? You want I more? want more. <laughs> okay. So something very, very like geschmackatik, you say. It's like very sweet, I learned. Um, is about... Uh, it's... We have four four different, um, I'd say like places where we say, where we attribute the word shalema, complete, mm. to something. So it's... Uh, the first thing is emuna shalema. Mm. Where uh, and then there's Chuva Shalema. Full faith. Exactly. 
tshuva shalema. Full repentance. Like full return, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, then we have refuah shlema, like health. Mm. Full, like complete health. It's very important yeah. to not just be like healthy in some part, but like completely healthy. And geulah uh, shalema, like the full wow. um, redemption. redemption. And when you take the beginning letters of those four things, and that's a favorite thing Jewish texts do, you get a trog. Wow. But that's not the end. Why 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 is the trog so uh, so meaningful here? Um a trog is a commandment, a mitzvah from the Torah, where it says it has to be uh, beautiful. It has to be from a pri etz hadal. Hadal it means beautiful. So what's what's beauty? Beauty is w- when do we think something is beautiful? It's when it's complete, when it's like it has this like aura of completeness around itself. Yeah. That's when we think something is beautiful. So um, that's 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 the meaning of those four things. Yeah. I I love. It's also amazing. Give me one more. Yeah, yeah. I know you got one more on me. Get, get, one get more. Me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> one more thing I learned from the Rosh Kollel here is that in the Tefillah we say "San nes lekabetz galiotenu." So rise a flag mm-hmm. to gather the exiles. Right. Yeah. So the word is used as nes. And, but we encounter nays as being the word for miracle, right? Yeah. So what do we learn from this? That a miracle is actually a flag. And what's a flag? A flag is showing that you like you are for someone. You're rooting for someone. You're showing that you are following this person or something. And uh, that's what a miracle shows. A, a, a miracle shows that God is in charge in this world. That he is above the laws of nature. A miracle is something that happens, some phenomena that yeah. that's above the laws of nature. So, um, when when there's a miracle and when we proclaim a miracle and when we, for example, on Hanukkah we light the candles, we are raising this flag. Wow. Yeah. You know, you like you have such a. First off, all your Torah is like you, um, which I lo- I love, but I love that. Like your you are your Torah is an extension of yourself, which is a beautiful thing. You know, it's like. Don't follow the masses like be whole. And that's beautiful. Like, you know, uh, like, r- like wave your flag, wave the Hashem's flag, because that's who's that's who you really have to impress. Um, yeah. I, and I wonder, like, to like, I, I really am glad you brought up God, because I'll be honest, we don't talk about God on this podcast a lot. But it's like interconnected Torah and God. It's like it's, yeah, it's one I thing, know, especially. I know, but listen, I was. I went to modern Orthodox yeshivas. Like we don't talk about God. <laughs> um, it's you, you. You can't do without. I mean, like it's, that's the secret ingredient. That's the secret ingredient. Like, how does God? How? Where do you find God in your life? How does? Where do you find God giving you the strength to be who you are? So of course there are times when it's very difficult. Yeah. But um, the the times that really give me the inspiration is when actually hearing Torah, actually hearing this like this this like those wow moments it's like aha wow like that's amazing like connecting the puzzle like you know it's like judaism and like the whole learning and text and torah it's like a huge puzzle and mm. you always like usually when a puzzle you like do first the frame okay and uh, but with 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 this puzzle you like learn bits and pieces there and there and when these pieces connect w- when they fit together that's this wow and like that's when i see like god shining through the through this like the cracks in a puzzle and yeah it's a beautiful analogy it's also like can the puzzle be completed for sure but uh i 
I personally don't think there's there has ever ever been anyone who really completed the whole puzzle. Wow. And I think the only way we can complete the whole puzzle is f- through the generations. I mean, like two thousand years ago, three thousand years ago, we 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 started learning the story and like we started building up this puzzle and like now we're here and and all those awesome institutions in the world learning Torah and still build still still connecting the puzzle and like it seems like the puzzle is growing with with the time and uh, together we 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 finished this puzzle hopefully you said two things there which blew my mind okay the first is talking about the borders if the puzzle is growing it means there are no borders yeah you know the puzzle that we can't we haven't done the borders yet because there we don't know what those borders are. There are no borders. Um, I think you've also made a very powerful argument for Aliyata Dorot. You know, we often talk about Yeridata Dorot, the descent of the generations. How much yeah, worse we've. Yeah, I always had a problem with that. It, what's your problem with it? <laughs> well, of course you can argument that like back then the the source was closer, right? Uh-huh. And that's why the. Uh, revelation like the knowledge the, like understanding was greater and every generation that we go it's getting further and further away but actually I think it's quite on the contrary like the the, the more generations that lie behind you the more um, source you have wow. to to, uh, to to grow from I mean like it, it just keeps growing I mean like with every generation that, that comes there's more and more Torah coming and uh, it's new Torah. It's not like they're chewing. Of course, it's like they're building upon what's what's already been said, but it's new things. And yeah. the, the 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 world is changing. And for example, two thousand years ago, no one knew about electricity. And today we have all those chuvot and shalot. Uh, Forget two thousand years ago. Uh, yeah, two hundred years. Two hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, um, about electricity, and it yeah. and it all makes sense, and it's all in there. I mean, like afochba afochba kol kula. Yeah. Wow. And. Um, it's all there. It's just epically growing. Electricity is one of my favorite examples because what you have starting at the end of the 19th century is all the post scheme pretty much agreed that they didn't think electricity should be allowed on Shabbat. And they couldn't agree why. Interesting. They, they couldn't agree why. So you have like, there are like seven major opinions, six or seven major opinions out there. Um, like the Chazonish is a famous, says it's Bonet. Somebody else says it's Maki Bapatish. Um, and uh, you have all these different opinions. The Rav Shlomo Zaman Arabach, who is a famous Haredi rabbi in the 20th century. Yeah, I heard about him. Um, brilliant, brilliant thinker. He said, listen, none of these are exactly right. And he writes this big tshuva saying why all of those are wrong. And he's like, but still no good Jew should use electricity on Shabbat. But not why. Why? Why? Because we've decided. Um, and there's a power. Like a, yeah, there's a power there also. Um, yeah, I read that um, there's, there's like it's it's one it's fire. Mm-hmm. There's an the aspect of fire, and the other one is like the makavapati, so like building a circle, or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so I don't know who uh, from where he was, but he tried to argue that on uh, on Yom Tov, um, it would be more okay or even okay to switch on and off the lights because. Um, of fire because yeah. he goes by the opinion of fire and it's not building a circle because it's like there anyway and you and, and you break it for example le- Lego is you also build something it's also kind of makabapatish yeah but it's like to be uh to be destroyed again right it's not yeah. it's not it's not permanent so this he says that the circuit is also not permanent so this the makabapatish argument is not valid so yeah. the only 
valid argument that you could maybe bring is the fire. So, yeah. I will say until the last 30, 40 years, many, a lot more Jews used to use electricity, like a lot more from Jews used to use electricity on Yom Tov, um, especially lights. Wow. Um, that being said, there is, it, yeah, I mean, on Yom Tov it works because like there's another problem with light. <laughs> this is maybe not for the right podcast. Yeah. There's another problem with lights in that the metal filament of the bulb, if that heats up, that's considered cooking, which also is okay on Yom True. Tov. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a fascinating. It's crazy. Uh, it, it's a really really. But that's the richness. I mean, like we didn't we, we could never have those discussions two hundred years ago. Yeah. And that's new. It's it's new. But but the basis is those is still those concepts: cooking, circuit, makabapati. Like those existed two hundred years ago, and this is like this eternal life of the halacha and the Torah. It's like you can. It's like those concepts. W- we apply them today, and in two hundred years, I'm sure there'll be. Tons of new stuff will be applying them still. Yeah, have you? Do you? I assume you know the piece in the Talmud in Menachot by Rabbi Akiva. Which one am I reminding? Uh, so Moshe Rabbeinu uh, is about you know he's he's up there with Hashem and he says Hashem show me the future of my Torah, and uh, suddenly he, he Hashem says to him turn around and he turns around and he's in the last row of the Beit Midrash of Rabbi Akiva. Ah. Um, and Rabbi Akiva is expounding upon the crowns for the letters. The reason that if you ever look at a Torah scroll, you'll notice that some letters have little crowns on them. Yeah. And Rabbi Akiva is expounding upon the crowns and the letters. He's telling you what each of these crowns mean. And one of his students like, my teacher, how do you know this? And he's like, it's a tradition from Moshe that he received at Sinai. Yeah. And Moshe's like, what? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hear about this. Yeah, I didn't know that. But he, at first, when he was hearing the lesson, he was upset because he couldn't understand it. And as soon as he heard that it was a yeah. tradition from Moshe at Sinai, he realized that we build upon one another. Yeah. Like as time goes on, we have you know, it's it's not only electricity. It's that when the Mishnah Brewer was writing, he didn't have Rav Moshe. You know, when the Chatam Sofer, like when the rabbis of the Gemara were writing, they didn't have the Rambam. You know, we have all these things at our disposal. And today with things like Safaria or Al-Hatorah, it's a click away. Yeah. A click away. And suddenly the entire Torah is at our fingertips. We're, we're maybe closer to, I, I don't want to say finishing the puzzle, but making the puzzle even bigger yeah. uh, than ever before. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, how do you, have you found in, um, in the Bayit, like a community of people with the same thirst that you have for Torah? Yeah, what's what's really beautiful about Bayit is it's it's really students from all kinds of walks of life, and um, we all learn Torah together. Mm. And um, something I found really fascinating is they're not it's not like not all of them were like learned and like have learned went went to Jewish schools and so on like me, but still they read the same text and they have interpretations and extrapolations of those texts and what it means in such a beautiful way that i think you don't have you don't have to have had this massive education from childbirth you know until now to be able to learn those texts you can just jump in and you can and that's that's some why is this beautiful because the torah is ours and because of that you like you can just jump in wow it's amazing also because it, it like you're so consistent. You're frustratingly consistent um, in your ideology. It's beautiful to, for someone at such a young age 
have such a consistent ideology, which is eat like they all have a Torah. Yeah. They all have like something to add to this puzzle. Like they have a piece. Yeah. They have a piece and like maybe they don't know how to connect that piece, but like you're almost it's almost like you're on the lookout for how that piece can get connected. Yeah. Um, which is really, really beautiful. Do you learn Torah with your family? We do. My uh my uh, when I'm at my parents' house for Shabbos, they always request that uh we we're big fans of uh Rabbi Sachs's uh-huh. Um, covenant and conversation for Shabbos, and uh, we we read it and we talk about it together. And he also wow. has those uh, the family edition where he has like questions and like to to discuss, and it's really interesting. Yeah. Wow, what? <laughs> um, so you there are six siblings plus your two parents. How what? Uh, what would you say that like there's a piece of the puzzle that everyone in your family brings? Yeah, definitely. It's, Especially last Pesach when we didn't have guests, <laughs> yeah. which was very frustrating for me um, because I love having guests for Pesach. Um, it was actually really uh, elevating because this was the first time that at Pesach it was just a family. Wow. And w- 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 when there are guests, um, my siblings, like, they go to the background and, like, they're there, they enjoy, they listen, but they, they're not really part of the conversation which the Pesach Seder is all about. So uh, at the Pesach Seder, they actually were. They they were equals in this conversation, and they said some really, really wonderful stuff, and I was amazed. Yeah. When do you think you love? You first realized you loved Torah? I think in school, yeah, when we had uh, our Gemara lessons and our teacher, uh, like our rabbi, he would just... He would just create those aha moments for me, like, wow, yeah. Who is this rabbi? Rabbi David Gvertz. Wow, yeah. is he still here? He's still in Berlin. Yeah, he's still wow. at, uh, teaching at the school. Wow, amazing. Yeah. How old were you? Twelve. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. It, it it's it's powerful to hear your enthusiasm. I will say, like, people often say that, like, when I teach, that they love my enthusiasm's energy, and I feel like I, I do. I, but I feel like I'm like a dwarf when it comes to your enthusiasm for Torah. You love Torah. Um, and I hope that wherever you go into the future, that you bring this love of Torah with you uh, to all those places. Thank you. Um, David, is there anything you'd like to leave us with before we go? Yes. Another thing that, um, especially when I was mentioning, like we coming from all different walks of life and this being especially true today because being Jewish is not is not it's not like a people where we're all the same it's like we're from all different kinds of nations and like it's the only global nation that you know mm. so um and we all were created in the image of God as we know and because we're all so different um I really like uh, comparing that to a disco ball I mean like it's 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 one ball but it has all those little mirrors this little reflectors wow. And when the light shines upon them, it goes in all directions and in wow. all colors. And this is this is the Torah. This is the Jewish people, and this is God at the same time. And we all look at God, at the Torah, at ourselves as the Jewish people, and we all see different things. But it's wow. all one thing, actually. Wow. So that is so <laughs> that is so beautiful. I can, I <laughs> um, uh, it's amazing because you're seeing in 
all of us in yourself in the torah um in human beings in people god yeah like you really see the godliness everywhere um and i also think that that's so important to add um the idea i think uh i think oftentimes the way i heard god brought up into our conversations is because hashem said so and that's not the way you're talking about god you're talking about god as god exists in us um as hashem exists in the universe um and so yeah. i thank you for bringing um the idea of hashem's existence to the forefront of my mind and to our listeners' mind, uh, I and will this say, podcast, and this podcast, yes, <laughs> I will say it's definitely the Torah I needed today. Um, David, glad. thank you for joining us. Uh, you will be hearing more from David soon. I don't know where and I don't know when, but very, very soon. Uh, stay tuned to more Torah from David coming to you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you, David. That's it for another episode of Torah Curious. Torah Curious is a project of Base Berlin, the home of a rabbinic couple in the heart of Berlin's Kreuzberg neighborhood. Huge thanks goes out to David Shapiro, our guest. Special thanks, as always, goes out to Rabbi Rebecca Blady, Uncle Velvel for the cover art, Alex Segura and Takayashizawa for the awesome tunes, and John Earl for showing us the Torah. Huge thanks as well to our friend in the Bay who made this all possible. Stay tuned for another episode of Torah Curious, set to drop in two weeks. Just two episodes left. In the meantime, keep learning and stay curious.